0: have just taught me, you know, that when you're, um, you might not enjoy what you're doing right now, but if you, exactly, if you live in the future and see that what you're doing right now is actually going to benefit your life as a whole, not just um, happiness, but uh, whether it's, it is happiness, financial freedom, you know, um, your goals for sports, you know, your goals for just life in general, then Mm. that's, what's worth doing right now.
1: This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpre, skin care for athletes. Whether you're in the gym, on the mats, on the road, or in the pool, we protect your skin so you're more comfortable in your own body. To learn more, go to solpre.com. Today on the show, my guest is currently a competitive amateur triathlete. At one time, he had hopes of being an Olympic swimmer, and we're definitely going to get into that. Um, as far as I know, he is currently an avionics engineer at General Atomics. Welcome to the show, Brightful Sun. Nice to meet you. So, triathlon now, swimming before. Did you have you already been in the pool today?
0: Uh, I have not, but I have plans on going to the pool right after this. So.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Are I, you I, feeling the guilt? Like, I need to get in the yeah. water. Yeah, in the water.
0: Just a little bit, yeah. So I actually uh, <laughs> slept in a little bit and. Uh, didn't get into the pool even though i was supposed to this morning so i was feeling really bad and uh, i kind of almost forgot about the uh this podcast until a couple hours ago and then i'm like oh i have to push back the swim even more you know (laughs) the
1: the guilt's just kicking in (laughs) i appreciate you coming on actually you know i have a um i need to shoot a video later today about like it's for running but it it applies here too there's like reasons you should Run in the morning, and what, like, one of the reasons, like, so you get it done is out of the way, and like, life doesn't right. get in the way, <laughs> yeah. And I always found that, um, that, like, what I just forgot the word, that, like, impending sense of doom, like, oh, yeah. closes in on me the later the day it gets when I haven't got right. things done. Right. It, it
0: applies for both, uh, you know, your work, academics and sports, just like you always. And I'm the worst procrastinator of all time, no <laughs> matter for what, doesn't matter if I'm uh, studying for an exam or I have a, a race coming up. You know, I'm waiting till the last minute. But, you know, as long as you get it done. So <laughs> that's, that's <my> <laughs> <philosophy>. <laughs> I guess
1: so. You know, but like like we're like this is something that's always it's always curious to me. It's like sometimes I'll procrastinate about something and other times. I'm like right on it, but I'm not quite sure what, you know, what it is it differentiates it? Like, do you, do you know, like, do you have any idea where that comes from? Like what, like why procrastinate versus just getting out of the way since you know, you need to do it, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, it just, it all depends for me. It's, uh, it depends on the difficulty of the task at hand uh, first of all. And then uh, secondly, just how motivated I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think that motivation for um, anything in life is, is is pretty is very important, and doesn't matter whether you're doing sports or academics. You know, if you're not motivated, even if you, you your um, your grade is on the line, like your GPA, you're gonna you're not gonna want to do it until the last minute. Then you're like, okay, I guess I do kind of care about this, so yeah. I have to do it. You know, whereas if I have a a race coming up, you know, and um, I really want to do well at this race,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: um, I have, you know, I have my friends supporting me. I have uh, training that I need to complete to make sure that I do well at this race. I'm gonna stick by my schedule and uh, try to get as many workouts done at the exact time that I have them scheduled. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there, a lot of the races, uh, when you're doing like a regional race that you don't care about too much, you're just doing it to see how where you're at. You know, when you're not that motivated for those races, your training can kind of fall behind. And that's sometimes where I um, fall into that hole of just, oh, yeah, I'll do my I'll do both of my doubles after work at six o'clock, which is not really what you should be doing, because then you're messing up your diet and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, yeah, if you're if you're motivated for something, then you're going to say, okay, I am going to wake up at this time before work and get this done and I'm going to have the motivation after work to still, um, have the energy to complete this as well. So,
1: yeah. Um, have you, I'm going to, I'm going to jump off the deep end here. Have have you read the four hour work week? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um,
0: no, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of those kind of books that are out there. Yeah. I, I don't know the specific one, but, um, I'm assuming it's just talking about like, how um, if you decrease the amount of hours in each uh, in each week, you can get more
1: done as a whole. It's kind yeah. of it's kind of a, a in general. It's about like uh, it's a it's a business building book. So it's like about building a business that is systemized in such a way that it requires low input hours from you, so you can do more yeah. of the tasks that you like. Um, so that's kind of my leading into like. It seems like the procrastination comes from. Um, like a low prioritization of right. things, like ah, uh, you know, like I can do it or I could not do it, and I do that too. I've got you know my to do list every day, my whole week planned out, and every task each day. And sometimes right. I end up running out of time, and I'm like, you know, I don't really need to do that task, and it ends up just like disappearing. So yeah. I th- I kind of think with like, you know, as busy as I think you are. Like, how do you prioritize doing more stuff that you want to do? Right.
0: It all goes down back to uh, in like just basic human psyche, you know, um, my parents have always told me this, but um, you always want to uh, do something to feel better in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. But as humans, you don't really that that doesn't just cross your mind at every passing moment. you know, you're always trying to, I don't I hate to sound cliche, but live your life at the moment you know, right. and uh, have fun, you know, and if that means putting aside some of the chores or difficult tasks that, uh, you know, eventually you're gonna have to complete, but if those jeopardize the fun you're currently having, a lot of times you're just gonna be like, no, I I just don't feel like doing that, you know, mm-hmm. like I am gonna get it done and I want to enjoy myself right now, so why don't I just suffer for a long <laughs> time, to- for, for, for a bit at the end, you know, and have a lot of fun now, so. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well' it's like
0: uh, it's a bad mentality, but it's just it's, it's, it's difficult to it's difficult to put aside that and actually get stuff done. But that's what I'll say when you're motivated to do something, that's when you're more likely to actually perform those tasks. So
1: Well, it seems like and I think you kind of touched on it. It seems like a lot of people live. I, I have a hard time living in the future. like'm I'm, I'm pretty good at delaying gratification, like let's do the suffering now. And I'll rip the rewards later, but right. I have a hard time actually enjoying the rewards right now that I, you know, worked for previously. I'm always like right. always future focused. It seems like you found some kind of balance between like mm-hmm. I hate this phrase like YOLO. Gosh. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it <laughs> so bad. Um, oh, but between you know between living right now, and living in the future. Mm-hmm. So like is that is that something your parents instilled in you? Or...
0: Yeah, so it's just they they've they've, um, they've been pretty traditional in a lot of things and uh, have just taught me, you know, that when you're, um, you might not enjoy what you're doing right now, but if you, exactly, if you live in the future and see that what you're doing right now is actually going to benefit um, your life as a whole, not just um, happiness, but uh, whether it's, it is happiness, financial freedom, you know, um, Your goals for sports, you know, your goals for just life in general, then Mm -hmm. that's what's worth doing right now, you know. If, um, and that's something that, um, goes to, uh, you know, what my parents would support me as well, uh, emotionally and financially when I was a child. Um, you know, my dad, uh, my parents are pretty strict on a lot of things, but if there was something that, um, you know, they thought would benefit me in my later life, Mm -hmm. you know, whether and then, then that's. I got into swimming, triathlons, and um, track, everything, um, my music life, um, th- none of that stuff is cheap. You know, it c- takes a lot of time investment on both my end, on their end,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: um, I and uh, my parents thought that um, that's something that's going to make me happier in my uh, later life, and um, that's something that will benefit me as a human being, and um, you know, we put in all the time and uh, effort we wanted into that. So.
1: So this is like um, this is something I was cu- curious about. Like, so did your parents get you into swimming, or was it like, were you interested and then they were behind it?
0: So it was uh, it was really interesting. I, I'm sure a lot of kids go through this, but um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. I started my, uh, you can call it sporting life when I was about uh, five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, I first started playing uh, soccer, and then uh, did that for maybe uh, <laughs> a half year and realized that I had no foot coordination at all and I just kept getting <laughs> either sidelined or goalied in every uh, game because okay. I was uh, I was a pretty chunky kid back then and my coach was just like, oh, you got to use your uh, physical strengths, you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you're calling me fat. Things, stick,
1: stick, right? you, stick you in the goal a little bit wider, yeah. the ball has right. more to go around. Exactly. And then, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, after that, I played basketball for a little bit. Um, that was fun, but I, I just... I could never get really good at it you know i was Mm -hmm. i i I really how tall are you uh right now i'm five nine five i like to say five ten but really yeah so it's like like,
1: even if you got good you could i mean you could play in college but that's that's about as far as you're gonna go
0: right right um and uh my parents pretty much knew that too my my dad is i think he's five four five five and he's the tallest person besides me in the family so okay um yeah well i i knew i was going nowhere with that but that was fun and then after that um i uh i tried a couple more sports i dug my toe i dipped my toes into basically every sport that was available but eventually i found swimming when i was seven eight years old and um this is like a lot of sports I, to go
1: through by the time you're seven
0: all <laughs> right no i just I, I just like you know window shop every sport in the book um but uh when i was uh, about to turn eight i think i was um seven i i found the pool and I started swimming and uh, I, I, my first couple months of swimming, I really hated it. Um, I, I, I just had no joy in doing it. I don't think I was very good. But then mm-hmm. when I turned eight, I joined uh, the, this team called uh, uh, Montgomery YMCA Barracudas, the Barracuda swim team in uh, mm-hmm. Montgomery, my hometown in Alabama. And um, I just my, my progress exploded from there. I went from not being able to swim at all to uh, breaking team records in a matter of uh, six or seven months mm-hmm. um, to qualifying for regionals and southeastern championships in uh, Nashville is held every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time I was, um, I'd say, 11 or 12 um, uh, at the time, I... I realized this was something that I was number one, I was good at, and two, I actually did thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, that put me into a whole, like, a, a, up until the point where I was 12, um, I was just doing it just really to stay in shape. Um, you know, more so my parents being like, oh, yeah, you need to not look like you did when you are six <laughs> or seven. So uh, for you fans staying st- oh
1: yeah, in the no. pool. It was it
0: was bad, but um <laughs> you know, uh, it was it, it so when I was 12, about to turn 13, it transitioned from me just staying in shape
2: mm-hmm. uh to
0: the point where I was this was going to potentially be what I would strive to do. You know, when I was 13, I was like, okay, my goal is to go to the Olympics, right? Um and um I still kept improving after I was 12, 13. Um, I made a couple of uh, national cut times, national standard times completed in uh, uh, Y nationals when I was 14 and then uh, uh, qualified for some uh, junior, uh, uh, junior Olympic national qualifying times. And I was like, OK, this is it. Like I, if I keep up with this, um, I, I could make it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this time, 14, 15, um, it was it was rough. You know, I was going to uh, uh, to high school And I was swimming on average, probably 11, 12 times a week, some days, some weeks. Mm. Um, And that obviously that entails waking up at 345, 4 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, um, which uh, I certainly didn't enjoy. But, you know, that's going back to the motivation part. If I wasn't motivated, I would not do that. You know, I wanted my goal. And swimming is one of those sports. um, I've done a lot of every competitive sport I've done. Uh, up until this point, it's just, you know, you're putting in so much work and you're getting potentially nothing in return, uh, as right. far as pr- progression, you know, and, um, I'll talk about it later, but especially in track even more so, cause it's just even more compacted, the mm-hmm. race times. But, um, you know, in swimming, I, I practice that many hours a week and, um, I was slowly, slowly progressing towards that goal. Um, but yeah, uh, After my junior, senior year, I kind of hit a wall. I got really close to Olympic trial, standard times, uh, but I just could not, I could not get past it. And uh, I was literally at the same time, I was a breaststroker, 100, 200 breaststroker. And uh, I think I held the same time for two years straight, um, exactly the same time. And I was putting in more and more training each week. I got, uh, like my coach was amazing. We had two or three head coaches that were just, coding in my technique. And it's not like I was, um, you know, I was getting weak or anything. I was, if anything in my, my muscle mass was, was getting stronger. Um, I was, I had more endurance. It just, mm-hmm. you know, some things I just, I could not get faster. And, um, that's when I stopped swimming before I went to college. Cause you know, I'm, I didn't, I wanted to focus, um, my, uh, I wanted to focus on something else. Um, cause I was getting really upset with, uh, my progress up until that point. So,
1: yeah, but, uh, um... you know, it's
0: a, long progression so
1: so you, i mean you hit that wall and you're you're stuck there and i know i've talked to um like collegiate level swim coaches and you know they're talking about like like when i started swimming i started swimming in college because i too hated the pool when i was little and just avoided it like the plague um, yeah. but i did not go back and <laughs> actually learn how to swim so i just started <laughs> swimming till college and then you know in that early you know stage when you completely suck and then you're getting some fitness so it was like i could be knocking off you know a second per 100 every month which right. which feels great cuz you're like like killing it but then yeah, yeah you eventually so you hit that wall and you're like trying to figure out you know what what happened have you ever have you done like a mental diagnosis and thought back and said you know maybe it was this maybe it was that or do you just feel like that was like your genetic wall and you're not you know, it's a little
0: bit of both. Um, I, I like to blame genetics sometimes, but, um, you know, I, all the time, you know, I, I've done three competitive sports where I, um, well, I'm currently doing triathlons with my two previous sports, swimming and triathlon, I got to that really, you know, 99th percentile level mm. and um, I just could not break through to become, um, you know, the, the uh, a- absolute ultimate goal I wanted to achieve. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, I think about it all the time. Like, what could I have done differently? Um, and, um, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, going back to mental, um, like I think about it all the time, you know, um, sleep, uh, nutrition, stuff like that. What could I have done differently? You know, could I have, um, if I had, uh, done workouts differently, if I put in for track more miles, fewer miles a week, would mm. that have made a difference? I think about it all the time. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, um it's, it's important that I don't beat myself up over it. Right. I, I love, I love the sport when I did it Um, up until probably the last couple of months where I was improving, <laughs> not at all, you know, but um, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it was definitely uh, what I'm saying is I'm very glad that I did those, you know, it nurtured yeah. so much discipline Um, for other aspects of life. You know, I don't think I would have, you know, if uh, through swimming I was able to, you know, I, I put in that much time. I was able to juggle so many things in college at once. You know, I, I, I basically had no free time uh, in high school and in days where so many people were struggling over finals or, you know, where you had to go to class and then do this event and then this sport, you know, it was very, I, I didn't get really stressed out over those things because I had so much experience and exposure to um, basically having my whole day occupied since uh, uh, from an early age. So. Mm-hmm. It's awesome that all is exposed to that. So,
1: yeah, one of the things that I it just stuck in my mind so much about my my talk with Chris, um, is that you know he, I've had my own kind of struggles with like you know I I wanted to be a professional triathlete and I'm just just not fast enough, especially in the swimming aspect. Yeah. Um, it's like you can get close, you know, going to these they're called elite development races if you know what I'm talking about, yeah. where right, top right. three progress and it's like. One year I was thirtieth, and I made a bunch of progress. And then the next year, I was a minute and a half faster. It's a sprint race. Improved mm-hmm. in each oh, three wow. disciplines. Still thirtieth. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like I yeah, there's you know, a lot sort of,
0: variables, of my, variables that go into it too. But yeah, yeah.
1: So it's like I struggle with that my, myself. But the the thing that stuck with with me that um, Chris said, and and you know you've taken away like other kind of skills from that whole period yeah. of your life is Chris said, you know, like nobody cares whether you were second or whether you won. Like they just, you know, they want to know that they you know, like like your parents or your friends, like they love you. They want to know that you're you're fine, you know, mm-hmm. and that you're happy. So it's like I think I still struggle with it a little bit, but it's it's good to see like somebody like you, like you know, you are even closer, but taking away those kind of intangible go lessons from right. that when really like chris said it, you know even if you won olympic gold you know what do you do after that yeah like, are you, are you a, are a better you human next?
0: I, I, not in my opinion you're not a better human you just you've attained right. that goal and you're you're self-fulfilled and uh you know that's that's something that I wanted, and I—I I mean, there's still a part of me that wants to, you know, achieve an ultimate goal that—that that, sure. of that magnitude. But, um, you know, the—the the most important thing is that you're healthy and that you're happy while doing it. You know, because mm-hmm. um, if you win Olympic gold, sure, you'll have some fame. You're not a better person because of it. But if you're happy while doing that, you get that self-fulfillment, and mm-hmm. you know that you're—you're—you're you're, you're benefiting your life for mm-hmm. it. You know, and that's what matters. And but now that I do triathlons, um, I'm combining my strengths in uh, swimming and running from the past, and I'm happy while doing it. You know, mm. I uh, there's no there's no point during the day where I'm like, oh, you know, okay. There's no point in uh, overall week. You know, I have to reword that a little bit. Where I'm like, I really just don't want to do triathlons. You know, mm. but oh, the the overall uh, standard or you know, mindset for me is I love doing this, you know, there there's times in the morning when it's 4am and my alarm goes off to hit the the pool where I'm like, gosh, why am I doing this? You know, but at the (laughs) end of the day, you finish the workout, especially I find for swimming after that morning, you're like, oh, wow, half of my day uh, workouts are completed and um, I'm working towards this goal and I love doing it. So, um, and it's it's just, it's good that I was able to uh, have an exposure uh, to swimming and running beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just served as the basis to uh, be the best tri- triathlete that I could be for myself. So,
1: so you—I mean, you went through burnout. I think you mentioned with with swimming and through high school. Like, how do you avoid burnout now? Especially as you're—it sounds like you're doing two days with triathlon. Yeah. So, I mean, on average, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that, I've gone through that schedule um, for several years, and I, I backed off because it just—it got to be a little bit much for me. Everybody else. Right. Everybody has different tolerances. Like there are pros that do 20, 25 hours a week and you know tolerate it. But uh, you know, how, how do you avoid the burnout now, with juggling all three sports and you know probably putting in a significant amount of hours?
0: Right. Uh, so I'd just like to preface it by saying I'm not putting in anywhere near 25, 20, 25 hours. I'd probably right. put in fifteen something. Yeah, in that area. But I mean, you know, that's where, still
1: that's that's yeah. still substantial for somebody with a full time job. I mean, the pros right. can do it because that is their job. Yeah,
0: exactly. But um, so to answer your question, I mean, I think that um, you know, uh, some of it has to do with my background. The fact that I just was for swimming, I was in the pool twenty plus hours a week, sometimes mm-hmm. close to thirty. Mm-hmm. And then for track, same thing. I burned out with those sports because I had no nowhere else to go. You know, like if I'm swimming this many hours, my mind is like, okay, tomorrow I have to do the exact same thing again. Mm-hmm. Whereas with triathlons, I find that, um, I, I switch the sports up enough to the point where if I swim, say four or five times a week, then, uh, I don't have to be like, oh, look, tomorrow's the weekend and oh, I have to swim again to be the best swimmer I can. No, mm-hmm. I can just be like, I can put in a three hour bike ride and thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoy it and rest easy knowing that I put in more than enough swimming this week. Um, maybe not enough to be a professional swimmer, but enough for me to progress my triathlon as a whole, my mm-hmm. my my, um, my speed in triathlon in a right. race, you know, and uh, that matters a lot to me. Because um, you know um, I'm able to switch it up, you know, not get bored with one sport, and uh, the fact that I'm, I I love doing all three sports is just it's it's a huge benefit to me as well. And uh, I'm I have a I'm a very I'm a person built on um, a schedule and a structure very much so. Um, and um, every week I'd say I either have to use a template from the previous week or uh, rewrite the calendar to mm. see what am I doing at this time? And, um, you know, the fact that I enjoy doing it matters so much because, um, you know, I, I check off each thing that I do during the day. I'll say swim in the morning, work, mm. you know, so, uh, satisfy my work requirement, and then, um, say, go for a bike right after work. You know, if I can, um, knock down all of these requirements throughout my day, then I'm satisfied with how, um, of I'll call it the um, logistical stuff done and then I can have fun
2: you know right.
0: um, and and I don't really get bored from doing that stuff because I switch it up so much mm-hmm. that I am getting an equal amount of each sport done and uh, I'm still having fun while doing it um, I I see if you asked me the question and I was say I was a pro track and field runner right now I don't know if I'd have the same answer because right. um, you know I've I've I, I don't know if I could do 13 14 workouts a week with the same amount of same amount of time commitment and just do the same thing over and over again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um it's it, it you know, I kind of get bored sometimes with that kind of stuff and just mixing it up it does matter. So that's why I love about triathlons.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, boredom yeah. is kind of interesting. I always think about boredom. like I think the way we often talk about boredom is like a state of like non-creativity or a non-stimulation, but I think mm-hmm. if you like deep dig down into the boredom, boredom is actually like anxiety, It's okay. anxiety about something. Where like like with like if you get bored with running, like you're anxious about doing the same thing over and over again because. But uh, you know, kind of along with that, there's no extra stimulation. Right. You know, this kind of comes up with like um, various fields in in psychology, which is one of my undergrad um, disciplines. But like humans love novelty, just Mm -hmm. new stuff. I mean, look at like fashion and anything like that. Like we just like different. So I mean, I guess it makes sense, you know, that you're you're much more satisfied. Switching between you know hitting the pool to going to bike right. or run and then and then variations within each of those disciplines. Yeah, um, absolutely. So you stopped swimming in high school and then you started running track. Did you run track like as a club activity or or did you? No,
0: I so when I was in the Air Force Academy, uh, I I I I was there for for during the year I ran track D one with them. Um, okay. So I, I I actually started my uh, track career uh, a little bit uh, during my senior year of high school, uh, late junior year, senior year of high school, towards the time where I was burning out of swimming, and mm-hmm. um, I wasn't improving. I um, I realized that I maybe I could use some of my endurance. See if I could be a good runner. You know, just experiment a little bit. Right. And uh, I improved a good bit through high school. I got to you know, decent times, uh, near the cusp of where colleges would start looking at me. Oh. And, um, and then, um, on my, that was with cross country. And then I started doing track during the summer and I just, I, I, I got really quick. I progressed really quick in, uh, the mid distance events mm-hmm. and, um, started getting recognized, um, by some of the uh, colleges for track. Um, uh, and, um, I applied, uh, to go to university at uh, Air Force Academy and, um, also spoke to the coach there. Um, and he was interested, uh, ran with them, uh, when I joined and, um, got, uh, got put on the team and I was a 800, 1600 meter runner there for a little bit, but the same thing with swimming, you know, I, uh, I just, um, I couldn't improve past a certain point. I got to the 99th percentile and just, um, Burned out after a little while, and uh, track was really hard on me. Um, swimming, you know, I uh, is it's really hard to get injured in swimming, even as a professional. Um, just it's a low impact sport,
2: mm-hmm. virtually
0: no impact sport. Uh, track was different on me. Um, since uh, childhood, I've had bad knees, had bad Achilles, and I was injured for um, a good part. And uh, to this day, it haunts me because um, I have to really. Worry about my knees and mm. uh, my joints and stuff like that. And running is just, you know, I can I can bike and swim nonstop the whole week. But if I run more than four or five times a week now, uh, and I do more than two fast workouts a week, my my knees are done. Yeah, I, I'm out for I'm out for a month. You know, if I'm not smart about my running, and um, I'd be you know, curious
1: to see some video of you running and see if see if how, like how your form is. I would think being an 800 like a high level 816 runner, you'd have pretty good form. But yeah, I'd be curious to see that and see if we could diagnose maybe what's going on right. with you.
0: There's a little bit of stuff um, in my uh, based on you know visits to the doctor and uh-huh. um, you know a podiatrist things like that. There's a little bit of genetics going on. You okay. know, my Form based on based on my coaches um, uh, in the. Past and present. Uh, my form is decent. Um, mm-hmm. I have a good uh, he, uh, foot strike, good uh, arm movement. But uh, from genetics, um, my my right Achilles tendon is actually a bit shorter than my left okay. Achilles, and uh, it causes severe strain on my IT band yeah. all the way to my LCL. All of that stuff is affected because of my uh, yeah. I my mean, Achilles. the
1: whole system. One one thing that I think that's something people underestimate is like one thing gets out of line, and if yeah. you don't. Take care of that. In your case, like you can't take care of it. it Just it is what it is. But like, right. if you don't take care of it, it starts to affect the whole chain all the way up. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And it started off just like affecting my heel and Achilles a little bit, and uh, I kind of just dealt with it through college, and then, but eventually, um, you know, I got to the point where I finally actually injured my LCL a little bit um, mm. after I graduated and was off running for the most part for the whole. Um, probably from December all the way to April, May, which was really, it was a bad time for me because, you know, that's, that's 33% of my sport gone for travel months. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, um, and I, I definitely lost a bit of fitness as a whole from that. Um, but, you know, I, I see that looking back, you know, this go back, goes back to the mental, uh, thinking positively on things. You know, it's, it wasn't the worst injury I could have had. It wasn't a career sport ending in just, uh, injury. And, um, you know, I'm a lot smarter now because of it. In college and high school, when I ran, I, uh, you know, I warmed up, but um, kind of ignored some of the coach advice that mm-hmm. all dumb amateurs uh, ignore about um, not cooling down properly, not stretching, yeah. you know, not icing. You know, I never did that kind of stuff. But now uh, I am I'm, I'm a stickler about everything stretching, warming down, cooling down. You know even to the point of eating right um, mm-hmm. about nutrition and stuff that it could affect it you know so um, I-, I see that as a learning uh, learning event and mm-hmm. um, hopefully now that you know um, as my body gets older and more prone to injury then um, you know that learning experience can prevent me from having an actual like catastrophic in- injury that uh, ruins
1: my entire sport so so I mean what here's something maybe if you could talk to that like high school, you like, what do you say to that kid to convince him to do what you're doing now? Yeah. Um,
0: you know, uh, I was extremely stubborn as a high schooler <laughs> and still am now. So I have no guarantees that he would listen to future me, but, uh, I'd, I'd tell him to just cause the coaches, uh, assuming he's, he or she's a good coach. They, they have lived through that experience. Uh, for through their athletes and perhaps themselves as well you know some of them are swimmers some of them are, uh x-track athletes themselves and they know what they're talking about and you know as a as a high schooler um and even uh, in college like you just want to get better you know mm-hmm. you just want to keep getting faster and you see stretching, you know, cooling down, warming up. That's a waste of time, right? Like, how is this making me faster? It's not. It's just wasting my time. Like, I already put in my five hours in the pool today. I'm just going to go home and play video games or talk to my friends now. I don't have time to stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, And um, I'd, I'd tell, you know, I'd give uh, high school me just, you know, a collage of my inju- injuries <laughs> that I've experienced over the years from not doing so, you know? And um, hopefully that's enough um, to convince previous me to be like, okay, I'll put in the literal 20 minutes more each day Mm. to actually listen to the coach's advice, you know, the age old advice to stretch, you know, uh, do smart stuff, you know, don't just sprint your warm, your cool down and then be done,
2: Mm. you
0: know, which, um, you know, I did way too many times and uh, especially with running. not listening to the coach, uh, for post pre-workout stuff. Um, you know, having a little bit too much fun in college, not sleeping on time, all of that stuff plays a role in getting injured. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'd hope that, um, I, I, I know I'm more intelligent about that stuff now, but, um, I feel like if, um, younger me saw what, Could happen, and the bad things that could happen to your body by
1: not listening to it. um, That he would change his mind, but yeah, that's a great answer, man. It's like it's so dumb. You know, you get older, you have different experiences, you have different perspective. It's just like you know, people say it all the time. You may have heard your parents say it. I'm sure my parents, and then you know, people that are our age when we were younger. Like say like if we're fifteen and they're like I'm thirty now, right. saying the same thing. It's like oh, if, if I just knew now, then like. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like how do you you know how do you transfer that down and actually convince that kid get in their right. head? So that's yeah. no, that's a great answer. Um, so uh, kind of before we are recording and talking, you were talking about being at Auburn and then being at Georgia Tech, and you just mentioned being at the Air Force. Can can you give me a timeline of (laughs) all these these transfers? Yeah, it's
0: kind of, um, there's a lot of uh, different places going around. So yeah, uh, yeah, I graduated uh, high school um, 2012. uh, And then I went straight to the Air Force Academy afterwards, uh, did basic there um, and left after a year, I transferred out, uh, didn't like the Air Force life. And then was in Auburn uh, in 2014 um, for one semester. And um, I loved Auburn, uh, but it really was my – it was kind of a stepping stone to get to Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech was always one of my um, top picks even in high school um, if I wasn't going to go to the Air Force. Um, It's – uh, so, to preface it a little bit, I, I currently work as aerospace engineer, okay. um, and uh, I did aerospace throughout my college career, and Georgia Tech was one of the top-ranked aerospace universities, so I really wanted to go there. So I was at Auburn for one semester, and then um, December, winter of 2015 is when I transferred to Georgia
1: Tech. Okay. So, so just um, fully from- academic, or or were you able to do any kind of running or anything there?
0: No. So, um, after the air force and during an uh, while in Auburn, I kind of did no sports at all. Okay. Um, I just, I, I like it was, it was actually a pretty tough path to get able, be able to transfer to Georgia tech. They had a pretty stringent transfer policy at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really wanted to make sure that I could get in. So I just kind of like hunkered down and focused myself and nerded out for one semester at Auburn, got like the highest grades I've ever gotten in my life, and then yeah. made sure I could transfer over. And then um, at Georgia Tech, you know, I kind of missed the um, super competitive scene, mm. uh, but I had lost enough fitness in track and running at that point where I could just barely walk on to the track Mm -hmm. team and uh you know my mindset I this sometimes can be considered a bad thing for me but I'm extremely competitive in sports specifically Mm -hmm. uh just my mindset and I didn't really want it to be didn't really want to be like the bench for uh and not really race and like I I was always on the relay team uh for swimming and track stuff like that and I knew I wouldn't be able to be that good anymore so I I looked to uh triathlons you know and um I, um, it's funny. I, I had actually done a couple of triathlons previously. And, uh, the way I was introduced to the triathlon team was, um, I was wearing this, uh, USAT jacket
2: Mm -hmm. that wasn't
0: actually even mine. (laughs) Um, it was, um, so I met this pro triathlete while running track. Um, and, um, it was so weird, but it was just an odd conversation, but he's like, Hey, I really like your jacket. Do you want to trade? And I had so many, (laughs) uh, track and field jackets i'm like yeah sure why not i'll take your usat jacket even though i have no idea what that is yeah um so i just took the jacket and it was super comfy so i wore it around you know and at georgia tech one of the girls on the team was like are you are you a pro triathlete do you race triathlons i'm like not really is that what this yeah i guess that's what this is huh and uh that's how i got introduced she said oh yeah you should come to our interest meeting and stuff so i got introduced to the team and uh instantly fell in love with the sport you know, aside from the fact that, uh, the cycling portion is far too expensive. I absolutely, uh, absolutely <laughs> love the sport. You know, I, I afforded what I could afford as a college student. And then, uh, you know, um, just got into it, started going to all their workouts. Um, you know, the swimming came back pretty quickly,
2: mm-hmm. the
0: running, I was a lot smarter cause I was injured a little bit. Uh, and then the cycling, you know, um, I, I I'll go ahead and say it. I think Georgia tech's just, just being around the country. And um, seeing what their college clubs, even the actual NCAA-sponsored um, um, co- triathlon teams now uh, in the college. Like, Georgia Tech's got some of the r- roughest bike workouts out there. Like, there uh, there's one point where it was Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings. Um, uh, Tuesday and Thursday at the very least at uh, 5.30 a.m. So you'd have to wake up at 4.45. Brought back nightmares of like D1 college and high school uh, <laughs> training, you know. But uh, we would wake up, uh, brave the Atlanta traffic uh, and uh, bike anywhere from 40 to 60 miles with intervals in between mm-hmm. uh, three mornings in a row. And it was not an easy route. Like this is a hilly course. There's a couple, you know, there's there's at least 1,000, 2,000 feet of, or if not more of elevation gain and not to mention in the middle you're doing interval workouts so yeah i mean i'll throw it out there like georgia tech triathlon team you know i'll have to shout it out a little bit but if you guys <laughs> are doing these uh bike workouts you guys are killing it so
1: was your coach having you training with power or just total rpe like just go out go um and do, so do at, the, at,
0: at the beginning i didn't have a coach at georgia tech um so there's um, uh cody elder he uh he was uh kind of a a standalone coach that um you know he helped the team as a whole um and he took on individual athletes who wanted to put themselves to the next level that were on the club you know um because it was like it's it's still a club you know it's not a it's not a uh, ncaa like sanctions like sponsored or right. funded sport through the university so right. uh, like we didn't really have the money to just hire a full-time coach like uh, some some colleges do but um You know, uh Cody helped us out a lot and he actually coached me for a little bit and uh got me um training to the next level. And yes, I uh after I got a coach, um I got a power meter. I had a heart rate monitor, Mm -hmm. but uh obviously did not want to drop the money on a power meter. My first
1: yeah, they've come down, but they're still pretty expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh just uh, ha- when I was, uh, I guess, a uh, sophomore junior in Scott high school, the thought of dropping $600 on a metal pedal was like, why would I do that? Like, yeah. you know, I would never do that. And then my <laughs> coach, uh, eventually convinced me. I was like, look, this is, this is how I get to tell like how well your progress is, mm-hmm. uh, how, how well you're progressing, you know? So I eventually, um, <laughs> bit the void and, uh, drop the money on a pair. And, um, but uh, yeah, I've been training with it ever since. Um, it's just, so on, on my race, so on my race Garmin, I actually have nothing but power and distance on it. i have anything else, no speed, yeah. nothing. I just have power per three seconds. And then on my second data screen, I have lapped power. That's it. Like, that's all I trade. Well, so, I
1: mean, it's all that really matters. Like I have um, a dual GPS, like head unit, for my bike. And I, I wish I could, maybe I can and I'm just too dumb. But I wish I could customize the screen so I could just set it up like all I want is power and time or like whatever the interval is. But I have to have like the screen where it's like power and speed and cadence. And, and it's like there's too much on the screen. Like all I want to know yeah. is what my power is and how long I've gone. Like that's that's all that matters because ultimately like say if I want to hit 300 watts for an interval, it doesn't matter whether I'm going uphill or downhill or on a flat. Rate, right. Am I hitting 300 watts? That's that's the only question that has to be answered. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with um, you there. Yeah.
0: Especially for triathlons, you know, it's so important to maintain that consistent power.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, especially when you're considering that you have to run afterwards, and um, you know, um, and uh, putting putting some, and not absolutely destroying yourself on a hill. You know, um, it's just important to keep track of. So I think you know if you don't if you don't have a power meter, you can absolutely get stuff done. You know, heart rate's still a great measure mm-hmm. of um, like I if, if for the for anyone who's watching this and doesn't want to buy a power meter, you absolutely do not have to. You know, it's just a great tool for um, determining you know uh, over uh, over a course of time whether your power has increased. You know, if you're uh, if you're more efficient on the bike. And, um, you know, it's just that, you know, that's that small benefit where you can see how efficient you're being.
2: But mm-hmm. um, for me,
0: it's, it's, it's become part of my daily biking, you know, just routine, just looking at my power and stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I'm kind of curious, like, Chris had his reasons. Um, and obviously, I have my own genetic limitations, at least I think that's what it is. I mean, given how competitive you are, did you ever have, or do you have, I mean, aspirations of racing in the pro field, regardless of making a living from it, but just, you know, taking that right. step to the next level?
0: Um, yeah, I'll say it. Yes, I do. Um, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I respect Chris so much because he wants to be, um, you know, he uh, he's always said, I, I didn't take my pro card because, you know, I want to be able to compete at the top level. Mm-hmm. And not just say, have the figure, I'm a pro, you know, because there's some kind of, uh, there there's um, things that you give up being a pro athlete, you know, as mm-hmm. well. And um, I, I'm kind of in the same book, you know, um, like, I, I'm very competitive, but most of that competitiveness is for myself.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I
0: could, I could really care less what um, if other people think I'm a pro or not, you know, if I have that all oh, Uh, if I can become a pro and still compete at that high level, you know, Mm -hmm. and be there up with the top guys, that's what matters to me. You know, if if I can podium in some of those races and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the goal for me is just to be at the top level of the sport for myself, Mm -hmm. you know, um, cause um, that that is really important to me. And that's definitely a future aspiration. There's a lot of work that's going to have to be put into that, you know, especially with a full-time job. Um, is it realistic? I think it is. Kind of realistic, you know. Mm-hmm. If I keep on with this uh, structure and um, put in the post smart yardage, not just garbage yardage, and yeah. most importantly for me at this point, not getting injured. Um, especially for the running, um, every time I have some sort of injury on the run, I'm out for two months. You know, and uh, yeah. my, my my season's done basically. You don't you don't run uh, for more than a couple weeks in my book. Like you, your fitness is through um so it's different for like cycling because you can just put the miles in and get it right back you know swimming even worse like if you're out of the pool in my opinion for two weeks you're you're done like Mm -hmm. i mean your your fitness is so just gone uh, from not swimming uh but you know if i could stay uninjured and uh you know slightly bump up uh the volume as i get better Mm -hmm. you know but not to a not to a point where I'm sacrificing my own personal life, um, um, outside of sport. Um, you know, obviously at this moment, uh, being a pro athlete is, uh, aspiration, but I don't want it to jeopardize my career because my career, my career, you know, I've made the decision after college that I wasn't going to, you know, make a living off of sports. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a, it was a, It was a decently tough decision, but I had to be realistic with myself, you know, both Mm -hmm. from genetic and, uh, physical and just time limitations. There's, that wasn't going to happen. So, um, at this point, you know, being a pro triathlete is something that, uh, I definitely want to do for my own, um, personal gratification, but, um, yes.
1: Have you raced, um, one of those elite development races? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Um. I've only done one draft legal event, which is really disappointing because I loved it, Um, and uh, I did it one at collegiate nationals. Um, But uh, I I, no, I haven't done – I know what uh, the EDR races are. My coach actually wanted to get me into them, Cody Elder. He he wanted me to get into it, but um, it kind of came at a bad time when I was thinking about – well, I was graduating, Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know where I would be. Um, and I like I, I didn't know what job I, I didn't have a job at the time upon graduation, and uh, my mind was just in different places. You know mm-hmm. I was kind of a mess. Like I, I had um, I was traveling internationally. I was uh, trying to find a job, um, and uh, my mind wasn't on sports for that one specific block of time. And I yeah. just I didn't have the chance to do any of them. But
1: um, well, it's, you know. it's, so under twenty five. You can go, just go. And then over 25, you need an invitation. But um, if you're interested, I can probably help help you figure that. Because at least for now, I know the lady that's in charge of getting people in, even though she's going to be leaving that position. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, even if you're, I don't know whether you're interested in going draft legal, whether you want to go long course. I think the draft legal event is just, it's just a ton of fun. Like, yeah, even if you, like, you don't get your pro card at the event, like. Racing draft legal is so much more fun to me than always doing solo, non draft, or, you know, Olympic sprint or long course. Like, just because it's just like cross country, it's the same atmosphere. Like when you're in a pack on the bike, or you're in your case, you would definitely be in a pack in the swim and then get with the, you know, the good cyclists. And then it's, you know, a showdown at the end. Right. Yeah. Who can outrun the others? So it, I mean, if you have time, fit in your schedule. Absolutely recommend it, just for the experience okay. and nothing else.
0: I mean, I definitely am. If if I have the chance, uh, I would love to. You know, I've only, like I said, I've only gotten to do one draft legal race, and um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. So
1: yeah. Yeah, they they kind of changed. So Claremont is in March every year. Mm-hmm. They used to have uh, Detroit for a couple of years. They did in August. They stopped doing that race because we couldn't get enough guys out there. Um, but it seems sure. like they'll try different ones every once in a while. So we'll just, you know, keep them on, like on the radar. Um, right. I don't want to run out of time and I do want to get to your job, what you do. Okay. So aerospace engineer, Yeah. like what's your day like? What, what are you actually working on?
0: Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I work at uh general atomics. Uh, they are, uh, General General Atomics has a subsidiary company called General Atomics Aeronautical, which is obviously their uh, aircraft drone division of General Atomics. That's what I work at. Mm -hmm. Um, It's located here in San Diego, California, where I am. uh, Their headquarters, uh, more specifically Poway, which is northeast San Diego. Uh, But uh, I work as uh, avionics systems engineer uh, for the U.S. Army. Um, So basically, I'm working on uh, hardware Uh, and requirements so avionics is basically um, for those that i'm talking common sense to just don't listen but for those who don't know avionics is the uh, electrical you know componentry that goes into um, the cockpit the um, the whole uh, avionics suite electronic suite and uh, Mm. as far as aerodynamics goes fly by wire navigation all of that is under the umbrella of avionics in aircraft Mm. so i'm working on Uh, As a systems engineer, my job is basically to uh, provide requirements for uh, software engineers, flight test engineers, so that they can uh, more effectively organize their uh, code and test qualifications uh, uh, effectively. And uh, I basically write, um, I'll I'll create uh, block diagrams, and um, h- overall avionics componentry and wiring schematics for mm. the overall system so that um, everybody in the company who is working on that aircraft um, uh, has a general picture of what's going on. You know. Um, additionally, um, I'll write uh, con ops diagrams, which are concept of operation diagrams. Mm-hmm. So in order to, um, I spend a lot of time with the actual consumer itself, in my case being the U.S. Army, okay. um, so, In order for them to uh, purchase our product, you know, we have to fetch new ideas to them, you know, pitch new ideas to them Mm -hmm. and um, my job um, or part of it is to write a concept of operations, which is basically here's what this new product is, you know, say it's a say it's a new GPS uh, navigation system. Okay. how is it applicable here's a diagram that shows how it's going to be applied in our aircraft and what it is going to do in the battlefield for you guys the US army and um if they like it they'll fund us and then we can continue the development of the product so um i work there um uh we have a 980 schedule so I work there monday through friday every other friday off um like this one um and uh and uh, I I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. It's a fun job, you know. I'm lucky to have the position. Um, it's one of uh, I'm working on um, uh, this aircraft called the Gray Eagle, uh, the MQ um, MQ9 uh, Great Eagle, and it's a U.S. Army drone that's currently deployed throughout uh, uh, the Middle East at the moment. So,
1: okay. Um, see if I follow in all that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds like a like. It sounds like a really interesting job. If like, if if that's your thing, like as an engineer, like, I mean, I'm always curious like, how people get, you know, kind of into that sub specialty. I mean, so you said you studied aerospace at Georgia Tech, right? Right. Yes. I mean, how do you? So from there, I mean, you can go, you can go, dozens of ways, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like, everything that aerospace covers. Like, did you have? In, in, like, an interest in, in, I'll call it systems design, but like what you do now, the coordination between all the teams, did you have an interest in that? Or was it a matter of this is what's available, like, I'll apply and see? Or, like, how do do you get to where you are?
0: So, um, that's a good question. Systems engineering is usually um, designated to more senior engineers. And obviously, I'm the most junior engineer you can be, you know? Mm. Um, But um, systems engineer is definitely something that I, wanted to do, graduating college. Um, I specifically applied for this job. To be honest, I didn't think I'd get it because I thought (laughs) systems engineering was basically, uh, like I said, limited to senior engineers. Uh But um, it's um, systems engineering was very interesting to me because I like, uh, you know, as much as I like working on the componentry uh, specific, you know, like uh, design aspects of aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, I also, another interest of mine is, you know, coming up with strategic planning. And um, I I like talking to people, so uh, um, systems engineering is the most um, people, I guess, I don't know, just uh, talking to the consumer, you you get a lot of that experience. And then, um, you know, and understanding the overall scope. Of the uh, project as a whole. Those things matter to me a lot when uh, working on a project, for example, um, I'm on our aircraft at the moment. And uh, we had two years of studying that at Georgia Tech. My last two years, we had two systems engineering courses. And uh, they are, I'd like to say, they were by far two of my favorite courses that I studied. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, working on the projects there. Uh, just because you got to apply all of the knowledge that you had learned previously, all of those, you know, the terrible thermodynamics, uh, like fluid dynamics, all those annoying subjects, uh, you actually got to put them to use and you didn't think, why did I just, you know, fail all these exams to never mm. use them again? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it applies everything together. And I think systems engineers, the most, you know, it's some, pe- it's definitely not for everyone. If you like, you know, if you're super specific, if you like to know exactly how this uh, wire and what voltage goes into the other wire mm-hmm. and how do you code this uh, software to for this specific part of their aircraft, it's not for you. Um, you know, it's a broad engineering where you understand everything
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, so that you can more effectively convey it to other engineers and make sure they work efficiently and the consumer itself. Mm-hmm. So that's those are some of the things I most like to do. And that's why I picked the job.
1: So I'm kind of curious, like, since, since you're, as as far as I understand it, since you're you know coordinating between all these teams and the and the customer everything, are you predominantly working on, like, say like we're making a better widget, so like we're making the GPS system more effective in X Y and Z ways, or do you also mm-hmm. work on like g- getting feedback from you know the army in this case in terms of like uh, like the use like UI and UX like. Do you do you work on that stuff with them as well? Yeah, so it's
0: it's um, basically everything that is either complained or suggested uh, to us in any any aspect is is what um, I'm I'll be working on. So if the R something as simple as we don't the army being like we don't like where this GPS system is placed, I will uh, convey that, write a new requirement, um, send it to flight test, see if that. Uh, object can be placed there or if it's completely Mm. not okay see if software can recode for the new configuration or something as you know even if software is like no this can't be done or if they send something specific to be for me to convey to the army then i'll also be the middleman to do that basically any communication that goes from um from the higher ups basically the army all the way to the low level you know not low low level not being like bad low level being specific Mm -hmm. uh like the software guys um i I, i'm basically communicating everything between them and uh anything that is that i can do in an engineering sense um i will perform and then send to uh its respective um department to ensure that it's it can be uh it can be applied to the system
1: okay okay i think i have to be a little mindful of your time so you're not late for your swim um you've seen a couple (laughs) episodes uh so you know i I, we could probably go on for another half hour like i've got things i didn't get to but maybe i'll have to have have you on for another day um (laughs) (laughs) so as i ask everybody like you've seen the episodes so you know i'm gonna ask you um i like this just this is an encompassing question because everybody eats. So it's like it's always interesting, like what everybody says. If you can only choose one food to eat for recovery for the rest of your life, what do you choose? Oh, gosh.
0: OK, um, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> it's uh, for recovery. Yeah, I, I just say peanut butter, man. I love peanut butter.
1: If just just straight, just like dip your finger in the jar. Just yeah. Eat it. You
0: know what? Like I'll just go for it. You know, <laughs> if it's one food, you know, if it was a food where I could like add stuff to it, I'd say something else. But it's just one ingredient. Of it could be anything. I, I mean, like, like
1: uh, I don't know if you know Todd. He said peanut butter and jelly. You're like Chris likes tacos. So okay. I mean, you could add <laughs> stuff to it. But
0: okay, so I guess that answer is a little odd. I don't, I don't mean like if I had to <laughs> a whole like dinner, I just only eat peanut just butter. A jar of oh, peanut butter. Yeah. Um. Matt, I would probably go with, um, oh, man. You know, this is high school me coming back into play, but I just (laughs) go for a pizza, man. Like, I just go for a combination pizza. You know, it's got protein, veggies, and a little bit of guilty pleasure food in there, too. So, you know, I'll I'll, I'll take that. I know I'll probably be extremely unhealthy, but I'll take it.
1: So, (laughs) hey, man, it's like you said, it's got all the components you need, and it's delicious. I mean, what more exactly. can you ask for? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: All right, Bryful, if, if people want to find you, uh, where can they do that? Website, Instagram, any place? Um,
0: yeah, so I've, I've, I've got all that jazz. I've got Facebook. You find me. My name, Bryful Sun. Uh, my Instagram handle, it's a little bit embarrassing, but it's called uh, Bry Bry Fabulous. Um, that's <laughs> B-R-Y-B-R-Y Fabulous. Um, and just request me there and uh, I'll be on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks Jesse, nice talking to you.